0: Welcome again. Father, we want to thank you for so many things tonight. We thank you, Lord, that today marks 50 years since you kept our marriage together. We thank you, Lord, that today marked the 70th year that you kept Chandri in this world and she has reached that uh, three score and ten mark. We give you thanks, Lord for helping her through the many difficult days in her life that you brought her to this position and this point in life. We thank you tonight, Father, not only keeping us together and keeping the assembly together and keeping the work of God and keeping us in the work of God, but we thank you tonight in a special way for Brother John Mowat uh, being discharged and, uh, Lord, he's home. We pray you'll continue to strengthen his faith and strengthen his confidence, Father, in you. And the work that you're working in his life, Father, you would complete this wonderful work. Not only in his life, Father, but the lives of every one of your children. Tonight we thank you for so many things. We pray for Sister Pam, Lord, tonight. Uh, We have all gone through trials. We have all gone through situations. Lord, we need your strength and we need your encouragement, Father. Your spirit, it's not by might nor by power nor human genius, Lord, but it's by your spirit. Lord, when we think of the men in the past, when we think of Bible characters, when we think of men like Jeremiah, tonight I want to thank you for these men. I thank you for Jeremiah. I thank you for Isaiah, Lord. I thank you for these great prophets. I thank you for Moses and for Abraham. And then coming down, oh Lord, to the New Testament period, a man like John. Oh Lord, the apostles, every one of them, Father, that hazarded their lives to bring us the gospel. That today, we can have a Bible set before us. We can have the scriptures given to us. Father, I just want to thank you for every child of God down through the years. I thank you for everyone that died as a martyr for the gospel. I praise and appreciate you, Lord, for helping all of these champions of the past. Lord, when I think of how great, sac- great sacrifices they made, our little sacrifice today is nothing to be compared. Oh, Lord, with it, Uh, the tremendous burden these men carried. Thank you, Lord, for every one of them. And tonight, Lord, I thank you for men that were closer to us. I thank you for our own own leader in the past, Brother Lloyd Goodwin, and his pastors and his leaders and his teachers, Father. We appreciate all the good that they have done for us. Help us, O God, to live in this world appreciating where we're coming from. Tonight, we praise and we give you thanks, O God, for so many things, for your grace, and most of all, Father, for your own son that you sent to die in our stead, to bear the consequences and the judgments for our sins. Lord, Father, he took that upon himself. And tonight, we want to thank you. We just thank you, Lord, from the depths of our hearts, and we pray, Lord, for the saints of God all around the world, Every one of our local churches here in North America and in India and in Africa, Father, in Haiti and in the Caribbean and other lands that we might not even know, Father. We bring your work before you. Help us, O God, to come to the place of understanding that we're living in trying times, that these are the days that are heading towards the end of the age. Lord, let our faith never fail. Strengthen our faith, Father. Bless again the service tonight. We ask in Jesus' wonderful name and for his glory. Amen and amen. If you're not a part of our fellowship and you come in contact with these messages and they're a blessing to you, uh, don't be intimidated. Let us know. Send us a letter. Uh, you can write me at the gospel, thegospel at rogers.com. Uh, You can send an an email message or you can write and uh, let us know that these messages are a blessing to you. You know, the time we're living in, Jesus uh, mentioned here in Matthew, the seventh chapter. Coming to the end of that chapter is a beautiful chapter altogether where he tells his disciples, a very strong, there were the Jewish element, uh, very strong in his day, uh, Jesus was not, when it said, the Bible says he came unto his own. And his own received him not. It was rejection from the Jews that Jesus had to face up with. And uh, he's writing here, and he did not compromise his gospel to accommodate what was around him. There was apostasy all around. Uh, Isaiah tells us that he came, he was a root out of a dry ground. Uh, When he came, darkness was all over, but God sent light. Jesus said, concerning John the Baptist, he says, John was a bright and shining light, and some of the disciples were willing for a season to abide in John's light. But Jesus had greater light than that of John, and he told his disciples when he sent them off, he says, "Uh, I give to you the keys to the kingdom." that whatsoever you bind in earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you loose in earth shall be loosed in heaven. And So this commission was sent out, but what kind of message did Jesus preach? Was he preaching an entertaining gospel? Was he preaching an arrogant gospel? No, he was preaching a very powerful message that uh, was in his heart. I have my finger in Matthew 7, but I'm coming over to John's Gospel, where Jesus talks about his father and how important it was to uh, understand what his father wants. In chapter 4, he made a statement like this to this woman at the well of Samaria. He says, woman, verse 21, he says, woman, believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem that's literal Jerusalem. Worship the Father. Uh, he says, you worship, you know not what. We know what we worship. We, 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 when he said we, he's referring to the Jews. Uh, this woman was a Samaritan woman. He says, we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh. Very strong statement. He says, the hour cometh. There is coming a time, he said this 2,000 years ago, he says there's coming a time when true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit, not fleshly, not carnally, uh, in spirit. Uh, It doesn't mean spirited, That we've got to get lively and jump. Uh, No, he meant in spirit. God is a spirit and to communicate with God, we must communicate through God's Spirit. The Spirit of God must touch our lives and assist us in our communication with the Father. And so if we bring into the church carnal ways, we would not be able to communicate with the Father. He says, he says the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father... In spirit, that's one uh, phase of it, and in truth. In other words, uh, what will exist in true worship is the genuine Holy Spirit would be there. Genuine Holy Spirit accompanied by truth. And the Holy Spirit will never lead someone in error. When we have ten preachers in one city and each one one interprets the Bible differently, Uh, they can't all say God sent them because God will not send 10 different preachers preaching 10 different Gospels, uh, interpreting Scripture in 10 different ways, and each one is sent by God. No, sir, uh, that will not happen. They all might not be sent of God, but when God sends men, if he sends five men, Uh, He will send five men speaking the same thing. Paul said that to the church at Corinth because the church at Corinth was already going through a phase where uh, they were having divisions in their midst. Uh, Paul says, I would, in chapter 1 of the book uh, of his letter to the church at Corinth, he says, I would that you all speak the same things that there be no divisions among you. That you speak the same things, that there be no divisions among you. This is what Paul uh, told the church of Corinth. He says, now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same things, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. When we have a common Holy Ghost, and when I say a common Holy Ghost, when we have the genuine Holy Ghost, if you have the genuine Holy Spirit, and I have the genuine Holy Spirit, I do not comprehend how your doctrine would be different from my doctrine. I can't comprehend that. I can't comprehend how your Holy Spirit is telling you a different interpretation of doctrine than my Holy Spirit is telling me, unless... You've got a fake Holy Ghost and I've got a fake Holy Ghost. If we have the genuine Holy Spirit, we will all be in one accord and in one mind. That's how the Holy Spirit works. We'd all think alike. We'd all be built on the same foundation. And so it is important that we speak the same things. And so when Jesus is telling this woman in John chapter 4... He says, God is a, he says, uh, verse 23, for the hour cometh, and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And here's the beautiful part of it. He says, for the Father, God Almighty, seeketh such to worship him. Uh, God is not, the Father is not interested in anyone worshiping him in the flesh. The Father is not interested in anyone worshipping Him mimicking something they call the Holy Ghost when it's not really the Holy Ghost. And so it is important that we be not deceived by the devil, that we come to the place where the Spirit that dwells in us is the genuine Holy Spirit. It will be responsible for genuine conversion in our lives. And it is important, and I keep on saying this over and over. Then, in chapter five of John's Gospel, uh, Jesus made some statements here in verse seventeen. And Jesus uh, answered, said, "My Father worketh hitherto, and I work." Therefore, the Jews sought to kill him, because uh, he not only had broken the Sabbath, but he also uh, he but he said also that God the Father making himself equally with God. This was not what Jesus was doing. Uh, Jesus said her in verse 19, Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself. What he seeth the Father do, uh, and for what things soever he doeth, that also doeth the Son. Uh, This is such a beautiful manifestation of a father-son relationship. Jesus did not paddle his own canoe. Jesus was not doing his own thing. He depended on the father's direction and guidance. I'm praying that one day I'll come to the place where I will depend on the father's direction and guidance in everything that I do. Uh, from buying a piece of furniture. I must make sure that this is what God wants me to do. Because human the humanity is driven by his lust. Uh, my lust could be directing me and not God directing me. You mean God the Father could tell you what to do? Yes. Uh, they that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God, the scripture says. And Jesus went on over... Uh, here he says verily verily I say unto you in verse 24 He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life Verse 21 uh, he says as the father raised up the dead and quickened them Even so the son quickeneth uh, whomsoever he will In other words what we are looking at here is a Jesus That only followed the instruction of his father Whatever his father told him to do, that's what he did. And so back here in Matthew's gospel, Jesus went out and preached the gospel that his father wanted him to preach. He did not preach because the Bible school wanted him to preach. He did not preach because it was the theological thing to preach. He did not go around just formulating what message I'll give the people tonight. Jesus stood up, And as he heard from the Father, he said, I come not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. I want to come to the place, and I pray to God I'm so far from that, that I will come to the place that I'll do what the Father wants me to do. It takes a discipleship. It takes dying to self. And so in Matthew chapter 7, he he said like this. He says, well, here's the gospel I preach. Verse 13 Enter you in at the straight, S T R A I T. It means confined gate. Enter you in at the straight gate because there's another gate. It's a wide gate. You go in there, uh, serve God at your own convenience. You see, I pastor a church here in Mississauga, and this church could be a straight gate or it could be a wide gate. Now think, listen to me carefully I preach a straight gate message I really preach a straight gate message But you that attend this church Could be a white gate for you Because you have decided that you will serve God At your convenience Then you are building uh, your life Based on a white gate mentality The straight gate is that we do according to what God demands, not according to what we want. And so it is important that every day when I rise up, I figure out what God wants me to do today. Uh, Still, I'm at that place in my life that I do a lot of things that I want to do. I say a lot of things that I want to say. But here is Jesus. He said, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. He says the gate that goes to destruction. He's talking about church gates here. He's talking about churches and religious movements here. He says when you find a wrong religious movement, a wrong gateway, a wrong passage, it might be a wide gate. When you find a church that's very liberal, and a church that's very charismatic, and a church that's very social, and a church that makes the church into a social club, uh, you have found a wide gate. A wide gate could have a steeple on top and pews inside and a cross like the one behind me. But it's a wide gate because it gives no restriction. The message Jesus preached was a straight message he was very firm uh, he dealt with hypocrisy like hypocrisy should be dealt with and so these are things that we must understand that if we're to preach a gospel God must call men and God must ordain men and God must give them a message to preach that he has approved I don't need credentials from a man human source to approve me for the ministry I need God's approval on my life to approve me for the ministry. Amen. He says uh, he's talking about the straight gate. He says, but verse fourteen, but straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth to life. The gate that leads to life is a straight gate. You can't do what you want. You cannot let a committee run the church. You cannot let a board of directors decide what the preacher ought to preach. A straight gate comes with directions from God. It's a gate that will make, take a disciple and not introduce him to a white gate mentality. A straight gate is absolutely important in order to save God's people. The message Jesus preached was a straight gate message. But in, in Jerusalem, at that particular time, there were all kinds of organizations. Let's look here at this scripture in verse 14. He says, but straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few. Remember scripture we used last week, where Peter says, if the righteous scarcely be saved. He says, if the righteous scarcely be saved. Where shall the sinner and ungodly man appear? It's not easy. Uh, It's not a big gate. It's not like thousands and thousands and thousands. Somebody is deceiving somebody. Somebody is giving us a message that's not a straight gate. When you give a wide gate message, a lot of people love it. When you preach the gospel that Jesus preached, it's few. ...that will enter in at the straight gate. And then he goes on here with the result of that. He says because of that, because beware of false prophets. False prophets, it, it does not mean a man is such an evil man. No, a false prophet will be preaching a gospel... ...contrary to the gospel that God once preached. A false prophet... Pastors a white gate We're not Talking about ungodly people here We're talking about people within the church And then as you skip over And come down further down uh, To verse 21 He says not everyone that saith Unto me Lord Lord Shall enter into the kingdom Of heaven Well what are the people in the White gate saying Lord Lord is our church, you see, we, we can point our fingers all over, but we need to point our fingers in. The way we worship, the way we serve God, is this a white gate? Everyone must be able to do self-analysis and find out if our church is a white gate. If it is a white gate, you're on your way to destruction. Because many will stand before me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied uh, in your name? He says, verse 21, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But only those that do what God wants them to do. I'm going to make a trip. I got to go to a meeting. Does God want me to do that? I want to have church changed over in a certain way. Does God want me to do that? I want to dress a certain way. Does God want me to do that? Is God concerned about every action I take and how I react to the world and ungodliness? Yes, He is. And because you understand this, what will happen here is a lot of people are living in a fantasy world. You can go to church You can feel you're in the right church Well everybody in church feel you're in the right church uh, Down the street not far from here is the Baptist Around the corner is the Catholic and Not too far is a Pentecostal church Going further along this way uh, All kinds of churches all over in front of our church, there is a sign that says, "Gospel Assembly Church, Non-Denominational Pentecostal." We're Pentecostal. We feel we are right. So does the Baptist. So does the Catholic. So does the Presbyterian. So does the regular Pentecostal. Everybody feels that their church is right. But let's leave Christianity for a moment here and go into other religions. Does a Buddhist feel that he is right? Yes. Does the Hindu feel he is right? Yes. Does the uh, Muslim feel that he is right? Yes. So can everybody be right going contrary? You understand what I mean? It's like some people is giving you herbal medicines and everybody got the cure for cancer. Still, the medical profession can't find it. Everyone can't be right. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof, the Bible says, are the ways of death. There's a way that might seem wrong unto a man, and the end thereof might be the ways of life. We've got to be so careful... How we analyze what we're doing in the sight of God. Because it says there, many will say to me. Here's the word many in verse 22. Will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord. We have prophesied, we preach in the name of Jesus. And when we said in the name of Jesus, demons left individuals. We cast out demons. And in thy name... We done many wonderful works. We heal the sick and some might even raise the dead. And here is what Jesus said. He said, then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. Religion, even though the name Jesus is used, and we're talking about Christian religion, even though the name Jesus is used, It does not rule out the possibility Of us being workers of iniquity If I'm doing what God does not want me to do and I interpret scripture Contrary to what God wants me to do I am a worker of iniquity And when you are a worker of iniquity What you do You allow the people to believe in a lie You allow the people to believe that they are right When really they are wrong You're allowing the people to trust in a lie just like Hananiah and Shemiah allowed the people to trust in a lie and it was contrary. We are not infallible. We need to examine our own selves and see if we are allowing people to trust in a lie. You know, when I came to Canada and I've said this some time ago, I had a problem with the word Optimism and pessimism. And, uh, you know, today we know the meaning. Optimism is that you're more positive. Uh, You're not, uh, you know, critical. You believe in what you're doing. You're more genuine in that sense. Pessimism, you're always negative. You're not positive. You're always negative. You always think that the the roof is going to fall down and kill you. But there is that terminology that's called realism. That everyone can examine themselves and to know if you are a hypocrite, it depends on how big a hypocrite you are. Are you a liar? Are you a hypocrite? Are you a real individual? or are you just trusting in a fantasy? Now we can point our fingers at other religions, but let's leave the other religions aside for a moment, and let's deal with our religion. Do you believe in a fantasy? Brother Singh, I believe the Godhead right well. Good for you. Brother Singh, I believe in the mortality of the the soul. Good for you. You got a few things right. But what you might have, basically, your practice and your daily operation might be not real. Someone might have given you a carrot before the horse. You know, they said when you want a horse to run, you hang a carrot in front and the horse will run faster. Because it's thinking, it's thinking, it's going for the carrot. Well, do we have spiritual carrots that we're hanging in front of our face that has no reality, no end goal? Uh, Paul, in his writing to, to Timothy, and this young man that Paul is writing to is a remarkable young man. And so in First Timothy, Paul is writing to this young man, lot of these letters were written specifically to individuals or to churches not meant for us god in his wisdom has allowed them to be there for us not for us to polyparate and copy uh, the practices we're to take things as god really reveals them to us here in first timothy and chapter one paul writes to timothy And he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God, our Savior, and the Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope, unto Timothy, my son, in the faith. He says to this young man, he says, Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father, uh, that is, the Father of Jesus, and Jesus our Lord. Jesus Christ our Lord. He says, I besought thee to abide still in Ephesus, uh, when I went into Macedonia. That thou mightest charge some. That they teach no other doctrine. Paul was a very firm man. Very firm. Very very firm. And he's telling Timothy. He says when I leave you at, at Ephesus. He says there are individuals. That are standing up there in my absence. And teaching contrary doctrines. Paul did not compromise it with doctrines. That are contrary To what he taught. He didn't say well we just got to accept the doctrines. On which someday God is going to unite us. No. Uh, We must come to the place. You can't be uh, ravenous. You can't be arrogant. You can't be so obnoxious. It's good to listen to individuals. Because uh, we don't know what an individual might have to say. And when you hear what they have to say. You wait against scripture. And if what they're saying is contrary to the Word of God, not to tradition, my friend, to the Word of God, then you are, a, you, you are supposed not to bid them godspeed. speed. I'll hold your finger in First Timothy. I'm looking at the clock. But um, uh, John, in writing in his, uh, John's uh, little epistle here, his second epistle, John writes like this. He says in verse 8, Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but have we received a full reward. He says, Saints of God, I want to warn you. Uh, Let's not be beating the air. Uh, We want when this is over, we are receiving a reward. Uh, Look to yourselves. It means uh, we need to look at our own lives and the way we live and what we preach. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we, have, which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward for what we have done. Whoso transgresseth, whoso goeth onward or contrary, uh, and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ, that's not the, uh, the, uh, the theories concerning the essence of Jesus, No. The doctrine of Christ is the, is the doctrine the early church was teaching, a uh, lifestyle for the people to follow. He says, Whoso transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ, Jay, John, hold on a minute. You're, you're John, the apostle of love. Yes, listen to the apostle of love. He says, if you don't abide in the doctrine of Christ, you don't have God. Period. Period. Not only did Jesus preach a straightforward gospel, his apostles did also. He says, if you abide not in the doctrine of Christ, you don't have God. So if my friend, you want to uh, have fellowship with me and you don't want to abide in the doctrine like I see it and I feel God has led me into, we can fellowship. Your doctrine is important. And then he went on here, he says, he that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he has both, B-O-T-H means two entities. He has both the father and the son. One of these days, I will, uh, the Lord helping us, I will do a little historic study and come up with uh, some uh, some." Uh, some uh, what was classified as heresy in the early church not in the church that Paul uh, established but after the apostles died and they went off the scene the church that followed that and uh, we call them the early church fathers i would like to deal with some of the issues that the early church fathers they called heresy and i believe it was truth the early church fathers they were condemning things that I believe was truth. And so it would be necessary for me to look at some of that and compare it to his scripture. But here he says, He that abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not the Father, uh, had both the he that abideth in the doctrine of Christ hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, don't even open your door and let him in. Receive him not into your house Nor tell him Godspeed God bless you Don't bless that which God has cursed And don't curse that which God has blessed The early church did not play games They drew a distinction between error and false doctrine And it says he that abide it. He that biddeth him Godspeed Becomes partaker Of his evil deeds. This is important for us to understand. So Paul here in Timothy. In writing to Timothy. He made a statement like this. He says neither. He says when you go stay at Ephesus. And I'm gone into Macedonia. You warn some of them there. In Ephesus that they teach. No other doctrine. Is doctrine important? Yes doctrine is important. Jesus said in vain. Do they worship me? Teaching for doctrines The commandments of men If our doctrine is based on man's philosophy And traditionalism And just a traditional history Then something is wrong I'm not talking just doctrine uh, That's theological doctrine I'm talking doctrine of lifestyle The way we serve God The way we order our services The way we conduct things In the church If it's all man-made it has no foundation. Uh, straight is the gate. Is God particular? Yes. Jesus told Peter, he said the right side of the boat. Don't cast it to the left. Uh, uh, Elijah told Naaman, he says, dip seven times in a river called Jordan. It staggered the sophisticated attitude of Naaman the leper. He says, I'm not going to go dip in Jordan, that muddy river. We got clean rivers in Damascus. And his servant save his life. He says, did the man I, tell you to, I told you to do a great thing? Would you have done it? Why don't you just do what he said? He says, go in the river Jordan and dip seven times. Not six, not eight, seven times. The Lord told Joshua, he says, don't go to the right nor to the left. But he says, remain on the path that Moses had planted your feet on. Is it important? Yes. Time and direction from God. When God told Noah to build the ark, he gave him measurements. If Noah had violated that measurement and gone contrary to what God said, the ark would have sunk. God is precise. Doctrine is precise. How we live is precise. Abiding in the doctrine of Christ is is precise. Amen. Amen. When the Lord told uh, told Saul, he says, go kill the Amalekites. Saul violated the principles because he wanted to give an offering to God. The prophet told him, he says, obedience is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. Our ceremonial response to God in a service, if it's not ordained by God, it must be examined and re-examined. And if it's involved, hypocrisy is involved, we must eliminate all hypocrisies. We cannot live in a fantasy. And Paul went on here, he says, he says, neither give heed, verse 4, and neither give heed to fables. The early church... Uh, These churches that Paul was building, they had people that came on in with fables and fantasies and ideologies that was contrary to what God wanted. What do we have that maybe came on in, not from God, but from some human source? What do you want, what do you have in your life that might have an evil, heathenistic or pagan uh, origin? See, roots of bitterness can be sitting in our hearts and we could believe in a fable while we're attending Gospel Assembly Church. Let's have a true vision. Let's believe truth as truth is. Let's have a love for the truth. Let's avoid error and that which will, uh, will, will uh, produce iniquity in our midst. And so Paul says, give heed uh, neither give heed to fables Nor endless genealogies Which minister questions Rather than godly edifying Get rid of all that junk He says Which is, which is in faith So do Now the end of the commandment He says what, what we need to understand When we obey God The end result of the commandment Is charity out of a pure heart Your heart must be pure He says your heart must be Pure And a good conscience. And your faith must not be faked. This is important. You see verse 5. Very important. The bottom line of serving God. Is to end up having genuine charity. For everyone around you. Charity. Out of a pure heart. That means that you were converted. And God has cleansed you. Your heart desires God. He says. uh, ...and of a good conscience and of your faith... ...that is not a fake faith... ...unfeigned, faith unfeigned mean ...not a hypocritical faith... ...now how many people come to church... Uh, ...with hypocritical faith... ...we can't serve God like that... ...God must help us to eliminate... ...fictitious ideas and fables... ...from our midst... ...fables, believing in a fantasy... ...something that's not real... We can't do that. Uh, Paul moves over here. Uh, He says, uh, with some in verse 6, he says, uh, with some having swerved, have turned unto vain jangling. He says, people have swayed from the truth, and all they do is vain jangling. They get up and they have a service, and the preacher preaches, and all the preacher is a vain jangler. I hope to God I'm not a vain jangler. Helping you to believe in a fantasy that will never happen. I cannot lead you and promise you something that cannot happen. I have to follow the word of God. In chapter, in chapter uh, 4, Paul writes here and he says... And I have uh, less than 10 minutes to go. So in chapter 4, Paul writes here in verse 6. He says, If you put the brethren in remembrance of these things... Of these things thou shalt be called a good minister He says a good minister Of Jesus Christ Nourished up in the words of the faith And of good doctrine Whereunto thou hast obtained He says teach the word of God Like it ought to be taught You see if you read the first part of that He said the spirit speaketh especially Verse chapter 4 verse 1 That in the latter times Some people will depart From true faith and be by the demons, demons coming on into the church, inspiring people, inspiring pastors, inspiring preachers, and they'll be ending up with doctrines of devils. Any lifestyle, every any practice, any custom that's organized and legislated in the church that's not ordained of God might be ordained by the devil. Doctrines of devils. Uh, Speaking lies in hypocrisy. In verse six, you put the brethren in the right things; thou shalt be a good minister. But verse seven, but refuse all wives, fables, and exercise thyself rather to godliness. You want to do things in church. You want to move. You want to have actions in church. Why don't you practice godliness? Because bodily exercise, all kinds of mannerism and movement in church, profits little. You think Jesus would stand behind his pulpit and make an idiot out of himself? No. And so I'm to bring myself into a position where I have a good example and that is what Paul says, these things command and teach. Verse 11, let no man despise your youth, but be an example. <clears throat> be an example to people in word, in way of life, conversation mean way of life, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. And he says, still I come, give all diligence to reading and exhortation and to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by, the profi, by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the presbytery. Meditate on these things. Give yourself holy to it, young man, that thy prophetings may appear to all. And he says, Timothy, take heed unto yourself, personal holiness, and unto the doctrine, personal holiness, and doctrine. We're back to doctrine. What you're teaching in the church is very important. What you're telling the people in doctrine is very important. The customs and traditions you're establishing in the church. Absolute importance. He says, by taking heed to yourself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee i got just a few minutes here. Can you turn with me to 2 Timothy? In 2 Timothy chapter 4, uh, Paul uh, continues here. And it's the same concept that the the Bible teaches. We can't believe in a fantasy. Well, you know, here is what's going to happen. If you're believing in a fantasy, if I can't find God, and so I'm trying to make up something to see if I can fabricate God it's iniquity and it's letting the people believe in a fantasy. All workers of iniquity allow the people to hold on to fantasies, not reality. My friend, when it's all over, be real. If you're a hypocrite, admit to it, that you're a hypocrite. Be real. He says here, I charge you therefore, verse, chapter 4, verse 1. Before the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and kingdom, preach the word, the word of God. Let the Holy Ghost touch you. And when you stand, don't just preach scripture. As you open your mouth, let the word of God, that which is needed for the people's edification in that period of time, let that go forth. He says, the word be instant in season and out of season. He says uh, for the time will come Verse 3 when they will not endure People don't like sound Doctrine They don't like you to tell them how to live They don't like you to tell them how to come to church And attend church They don't like you to tell them how not to be involved In worldly things In sports and all this thing That the devil is providing They don't believe in the straight gate The time will come when the people will not Believe in the straight gate they will turn their ears onto fables. People love fantasies. Then the devil is the father of fantasies. And it, could be, it would be sad to know that I'm a preacher of the gospel. And I'm influenced by the devil to turn my people into believing fantasies. I know time is gone on us. But maybe I can look at one more scripture quickly here in 2 Peter Uh, second Peter we looked at this scripture uh, before in a a certain extent in second Peter you remember Peter says uh, so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom you remember that scripture in chapter 1 and verse 11 well Peter went on further on and like Moses who was worried about when he died what the people will do and Paul was worried that after his departure Gave you she'll come in and destroy the flock Peter had some concern also And he's telling the people He's telling them shortly That day he's putting them in remembrance of these things Verse 12 That they be established in the present truth He want to fortify the lives of those that were listening to him That nothing would rock their both. That they'll not be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine or human ideologies. And then he comes down here in verse 13. He says, yea, I think it meet. As long as I'm in this tabernacle, he held his body. He says in this tabernacle to stir uh, stir you up. By putting you in remembrance. I want you to remember godliness. I want you to remember holiness. I want you to remember good doctrine. He says knowing that that shortly I must put off this tabernacle. See there comes a time in every man's life. That when he looks he knows he is closer to the end. Than when he got started. I'm closer to the end than when I got started. And I'm praying every day that God will uh, Touch an individual's uh, younger generation To come up to take the work of God I'm sure Paul preached uh, Paul prayed at that prayer That the Lord would raise up some young men To take over his churches It didn't happen the way Paul wanted There were a few Handful, you could count them on one hand Demas was gone Titus was gone Cretans was gone well. They were all gone. Only Luke was there. And he writes to Timothy, he says, You come. Today, just like long ago, men are fickle. You cannot rely on individuals to take the work of God on. And Peter says, I'm going to die shortly. He says, I don't have a long time to live. He says, um, <clears throat> Knowing that shortly I must put off this tabernacle. Even as the Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able, after I'm gone, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. Verse 16, he says, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables. We are to avoid fantasies and fables. And a man of God that was about to die asked the people not to follow the subtle, cunning, devised fables. And when you preach fables, the people would shout. He says, when we make known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. And this is what I like to say in closing tonight. That we hope that God will help us that we don't follow cunning Device fables There's a lot of fantasy My friend we have to be real If you're a hypocrite Pray about your hypocrisy If you don't feel God Don't make an, an impression To people around you If you don't have the Holy Ghost Don't try to speak in tongues In something that you fabricated Don't shake if the Holy Ghost don't shake you uh, Don't try to be a hypocrite Publicly Be honest with God Admit your hypocrisy And come before God Don't feign your faith But be real May God help us Not to be feign In our faith and dedication But to be real and genuine Amen God bless you Let's pray Lord we thank you for this lesson Once again tonight Lord we live in a time Where there's so much fables And fantasies all around us Help us not to believe in a lie Help us not to believe in fables. Help us not to hold on to things that are not real. But, O God, please, by your Spirit, direct us into truth. Lead us into truth, we pray. In Jesus' wonderful name, we thank you, Father, for tonight. Amen and amen.